If you would, please, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1. We've been, uh, the last month I've been going through a, another deep study again. I try to repeat this on an annual basis. And in my devotion, I've been studying one of my great heroes of the Old Testament, um, the life of David and King David and everything that surround his life. And as I was studying the life of David, I realized that there were some things that happened before he even got on the scene that kind of God was setting the backdrop uh, for the king, basically David, to rule and reign and to, to become probably one of the most famous kings of not only of Israel, but uh, we're still quoting some of the things that he has written and that he has penned for us. Um, Psalms 23 Psalms 91, these are just a few that we still quote out of on a regular basis. And I feel like that part of this story begins very humbly, very quietly in the life of this lady that we're going to hopefully talk about and just maybe unpack a little bit about her amazing life. You're going to talk about a lady by the name of Hannah today. Uh, and Hannah prayed a prayer. Don't ever underestimate the power of prayer. Can you say amen? And don't ever underestimate the power of a mom or a would-be mom that's praying. Maybe even a desperate prayer for her babies. I don't know about anybody else, but listen, I'm only here because my mom prayed. Come on, is anybody listening? My grandmother prayed. Is anybody? When nobody else was was praying and they could have cared less whether I ran off that deep end there was thank God there was somebody standing in the gap and making up a difference and uh, and now I've watched uh, my wife Debbie she's amazing she's a great Christian uh, I helped make her that <laughs> you get it in a minute she's still praying for her oldest son that will never leave home but supposedly I'm getting better grades now so there's not a graduation in sight but I am getting better grades, so that's always good. But she prays. She prays for all the kids. We, before we, usually before we eat breakfast in the morning or get coffee or before we go to bed at night, we're always praying for all of our kids and all of the family. Isn't it amazing, the power of prayer? We're going to find out that there's a lady that was praying for a child that she didn't even have yet. So I want you to just kind of go into this story with me, if you would. First Samuel chapter 1 and verse 1, we're going to start reading out of the New Living Translation. There was a man by the name of Elkanah who lived in Ramah in the region who was in Ephraim. I'm not going to read all of the relatives there, but in verse 2 it says, And Elkanah had two wives, Hannah, which is the star of our story today. And anybody ever have a panini? That's how you're actually supposed to pronounce the front end of her name. A lot of people say panina, but it's actually panina. And she had children, and Hannah did not. Wow. I'm going to jump down to verse 6. And so I'm going to call her Panini. So Panini would taunt Hannah and would make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. This Panini lady would drive Hannah nuts. The Bible says would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle each year and each time Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Wow. 
We're going to jump to verse 10. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow. She said, O Lord of heaven's armies. One translation says, Lord of hosts or God of the angel armies, it says in the message. Basically, the power above all power. I'm calling on the only one that can rescue me from this torment, this anguish, this turmoil. If you look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer, give me a son. And then, like all of us, she starts making conditions with God. She starts trying to cut a deal with the Lord. And I think the Lord kind of laughs when we do that. Because what you're going to find out is that this young boy was already in the mind of God long before she ever prayed this prayer. So God humors us when we put these conditions on our prayers. And she says, if you will give me a son, then I will give him back to you. And he will be yours for his entire lifetime. And in one translation, it says, I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to cut his hair. I'm going to make sure that he's a faithful to the Nazarite vow my whole life, or his whole life. Jump down to verse 17. She's now in front of the priest and her anguish has led her to a place where she's acting kind of crazy. Now, maybe you haven't been under this kind of pressure or in this level of turmoil or under this level of anguish, but there are times that your heart is hurting so bad that you're doing stuff that doesn't even make sense. And even the priest, the even the, the pastor comes out and says, Lady, are you drunk? The Bible says that she, her heart was hurting so bad that she was moving her mouth, but there weren't any words coming out. But I love what the Bible says, and the King James says, But God heard the prayer in her heart. How many of you ever been riding down the road and you got tears streaming down your face? And you don't even have words to say, but God hears the prayer that's in your heart. Aren't you thankful for this kind of God that we serve? And little do we know that the anguish that we're going through in that very moment, whether it's worry, whether it's fear, whether it's shame, come on, whether it's all out just regret, God has a plan to rescue you long before you got into that trouble. God has a plan to redeem you long before that pain hit your family and your life. Is anybody in the room? I say that a lot and I apologize sometimes, but I have to ask because sometimes I wonder, am I the only one that my heart has hurt that bad that I've even been accused by good people of doing crazy stuff. And the Bible says that she then told him what was going on. And in verse 17, he says, in that case, come on now, I don't know about you, 
But I'm so glad that every once in a while, God changes the hearts and the minds of people around us and suddenly allows our story to get out and people start realizing, you know what? You're not crazy for acting like that at all. In fact, I'm on the same page with you. Is anybody in the room where you're so glad that somebody else comes along and says, all right, whose tires are we going to slash today? Come on now. I'm with you in this one. That's in just the way that person has been treating you. That's not right the way that, that they talk to you and the way that they doing you dirty like that for something you can't even control. I don't want to get into the psychology of why our Panini lady has such a mean streak in her. The reason why I like to call her Panini, anybody have a bad Panini where the bread has been toasted so much that it's hard and crusty? Well, that's the way that lady was. She was hard and crusty. Drove me crazy. I read this story, man, and I was like, man, if I could get in there and just grab this lady for a second. And if we get that way when we read the story, how much more was God saying, I'm, I'm going to rescue this girl, this poor girl that can't do a thing about this situation. And isn't it amazing if you look further into this storyline, again, we're talking about the whole nation of Israel. Yes, God's parted the Red Sea. Yes, he's delivered them out of Egypt. Yes, he's given them promised land. Yes, he's done all the things he said he was going to do. And a generation later, they forget all about God. Until by the time of the end of Judges, the Bible says that every man was doing what was right in their own eyes. And everybody had forgotten about the Lord. But God, in his sovereignty, said, I've got a plan to turn everything around. And I've got a plan that in a time, if you read further in the life of this young man as he grows, you'll find out that the word of the Lord was very rare in Israel. Yes, this same group of people that God commanded by Abraham were going to bless the entire nations and all the earth and all throughout history. They turned their back on the Lord and God said, but I've got a plan that I'm going to bring them back to where they're going to be back in my presence and I'm going to use a little baby. Come on now. Isn't this amazing how God does? When we try to look for some kind of rescue and answer, we always turn to a product or a pill, come on now, or a process or a person. But God says, I'm going to do what I want to do on the earth through a little baby. I'm going to do what I want to do on the earth, whether it was Jesus coming in on the scene, amen, to deliver all of us from sin, or Moses coming on the scene to deliver all the Egyptians out of Egypt. God said, I'm going to use this woman's anguish. To redeem the world. Think about this. This is good stuff. Can we, like Hannah, use whatever's going on in our life as motivation to do something? And I'm going to show you a couple of things that she did. I'm reading a book, actually listening to it now on Audible, and it's basically called Atomic Habits. If you haven't read it, get it. It's an incredible book basically just on how to transform your life and how to become a better person and all that. And it's talking about the power of doing these small habitual changes in your life that eventually grow and build into these big wins. And isn't it funny that people only recognize the big wins, but they don't see all the little steps we were taking all along the way. And I think it's a great book, but I think it's kind of limited because that book basically says, I believe me and what I say about me. But Hannah took it to the next level. And she said, I'm going to believe what God says 
about me and not just what I say about me. And she got something in her heart that said when she heard the prophet and she heard the man of God say, listen, I believe God is going to give you your answer. In fact, let's finish reading that. He says in verse 17, Eli, the priest says, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you the request that you have asked of him. And what was her response? She says, I love this. Oh, thank you. Do you understand the power of thanksgiving? Do you remember the story when Jesus had healed the ten lepers? And they all went on their way except for one. And that one wasn't even an Israelite. And he returned to Jesus. And he said, thank you for healing me. Jesus looked at him and said, not only are you healed of your disease, but because you came and returned and said, thank you to me, I'm going to restore everything that that disease stole from you. There is power in thanksgiving. That's why when David said, we enter his gates with thanksgiving, there's the power in thank you. Can you say amen? And Hannah starts out her new journey with the words that most spiritual new journeys start out with. She says, thank you. And then the Bible says she went back and she began to eat. Why would somebody that her condition hasn't changed, her situation apparently hasn't shifted much at all, but the Bible says something happened on the inside of her And she said, not only am I going to rise and am I going to eat like I know that my Redeemer lives, but I am also going to worship God and thank Him that the answer is already on the way. Now look, I know you guys are looking at me like I'm crazy. Like, how are we going to do that in 2023? You do it every day. You buy something from Amazon. Am I the only one that sits out on my porch when it says that truck is two stops away from your house? Is anybody listening? They sent you a tracking number. That was a mistake because now all of a sudden you're following that little truck all around town. Why did he stop at that stop? He's been at that stop for five extra minutes. The app says it's going to be at my house at 1055. If we're that way with Amazon, how much more should we be with God when God says, if I am for you, who can be against you? I'm going to give you the answer to your prayer. I'm going to bring the revival that you've been praying for. I'm going to bring you the answer that you've been believing me for. I'm going to bring you the miracle that you've been stretching your faith out for. Wow. She arose And she ate, and I love this, and this is why I picked the New Living Translation. The Bible says that she was no longer sad. Wow. Listen, there's there's power in joy. I wish I had my shirt on that Pastor Derek made for me that says hope dealer. Because that's what I am now. I'm a hope dealer. And wherever we are, we should, it should be contagious the hope that we have in Jesus. Come on now. People should say, I don't know what's going on with that guy. He's a little crazy. I might have misjudged him at first because he seemed like, he kind of scared me a little. But now I see, wow, 
There's something powerful about what he's doing and what he's saying and the way he's living. And that's why, come on, I am in no way do I apologize for the way that I worship. Do I apologize for the way that I live? Do I apologize for the things that I say and the things that I believe? Because I've witnessed God answer so many prayers. Come on now. I've watched God bring forth stuff out of nothing. Come on now. I've witnessed God make a way where there didn't seem to be a way. And that's why I trust him. And when the apostle Paul said, I say to these things that are in front of me now, these oppositions, these obstacles, I say to them, if God be for me, who can be against me? He rescued me then. He's going to rescue me now. Come on now. The same way that he healed then, he heals now. Something happened in her heart. And I want to share something with you. This third thing that she did, she thanked the Lord. She arose and she did something in faith. In her case, she actually ate a meal. And it wasn't just any meal, guys. This was the meal that her husband, when he would worship and take the sacrifice into the temple... And then they would give that up as a burnt offering. The family was given back some pieces of meat from that special meal. It was a sacrificial meal. And so it wasn't just any old meal. She just, just didn't run down to a fast food place and grab fries and a burger. She had a meal that had been sanctified by the Lord that she couldn't even eat because of her turmoil. But now all of a sudden, she's got a promise from God. Is anybody listening? Just like Abraham, when they would come to Abraham between the ages of him being 75 and 100, he didn't have a son yet, but his name was father of many nations. And everybody that called him that said, wait a minute. You're called father of many nations, but you don't have any children. He said, yes, but I've got a promise from God. Come on now. And I believe that the same God that brought me out is going to give me the promise that he made to me. Come on. Can somebody take a minute and throw your hand up and say, Lord, I'm believing you for the promise. And finally, this third step is she showed up at God's house. Turn around and look at somebody and say, thanks for showing up at God's house. Here's the principle. Because she was faithful to show up at God's house, God said, I'm going to show up at your house. Come on, is anybody else in the room? God loves it when we show up at his place in his house. This is where all of us get together and we worship him. And God says, you know what? I've been watching your situation and I'm coming down and I'm going to rescue you with an answer. We know the story. God gave her her request. Her son was born. She named him Samuel. She said, because I asked the Lord for him and he gave. Now I want you to read this. This is Hannah's prayer, and this is the title of my message, Hannah's Prayer. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 1. Hannah prays this prayer, and she says, My heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Mm. If we can just figure this out, that the answers that we need doesn't come from us, jostling and strengthening ourselves and trying to be a better version of me. 
It comes when I humble myself and I recognize that I need my Savior. I need my Redeemer. And I humble myself and say, Lord, I got nowhere else to turn. I don't have any other answers left. Come on now. I don't got any more money in the bank to spend. Come on, is anybody else in the room? But Lord, I'm going to put my faith and my hope in you. You make me strong. Psalms 104 says, God opens up his hands and he satisfies every living thing with good things. She says, you have made me strong and now I have an answer for my enemies. Hannah is, her name means grace. And Hannah is a picture of what's getting ready to happen with Jesus. Somebody said, how in the world, Pastor Mark, did you pull that one out of the hat? Her son Samuel is a perfect type of Jesus. He is, if you've got to remember this now, in the book of Judges, he is the last judge. How many else knows that Jesus is our last judge? But there's a transition getting ready to take place in the way that the, the politics and the systems of the economy of Israel is changing, and now they're going to be ruled by prophets. And so Samuel is not only the last judge, but he's the first prophet. How many can see a picture of Jesus in that? And not only that, but Samuel is the one who arises and eventually anoints David, who is king who is not only going to bring the presence of God into the center of the city, but make that presence acceptable to whomsoever will may come. I'm here to tell you this, that grace hasn't said anything up to this point. Hannah, her mouth has been closed up to this point, but the Bible says that when the promise is fulfilled, that grace is able to open up her mouth, and she's finally has something to say for all those that have been mocking and making fun and bullying her. I don't know about anybody else, but I wish we would stand up on our feet for about 20 seconds and say, Lord, I thank you, God, that you know how to answer in our anguish. Lord, you know how, Lord, to respond to our worry. Lord, Lord, you're the one that knows how to rescue us, Lord, out of our mess and out of our pain and out of our shame. And it's to whosoever will may come. You can sit down for just a few more minutes. Has anybody ever been bullied? Man, I... I got bullied so much in school, in high school especially. And of course, I mean, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. You know me now well enough to know that I got a big mouth. So my mouth got me into trouble sometimes before it was sanctified. There was a BC mouth, a before Christ mouth that I had. Anybody know what I'm saying? And I'm not the biggest guy in the room either, so I, I always just had something smart to say. And man, I got myself in trouble. I don't forget, it was third cafeteria, and the guy that I had been kind of mouthy with that day, he said, this is it. I'm going to shut your mouth up right here. It's going to be a whole carton of milk. We're gonna... And man, I, I, something, I don't know what happened. Something inside of me, I said, you know what? I'm not going to let you push me around. You know how we are. We're just kind of like, we're stupid. I was anyway. I'll speak for myself. 
And all of a sudden, this guy stopped in the middle of everything he was doing, and he backed off like he'd seen a ghost. He was like, no, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. It's like, see? You know how we are. You're like, yeah, man. See, you're messing with me again, bro. <laughs> Only to find out that the biggest guy in the school was standing behind me with his arms crossed. And I taught him how to play wipeout on the bass in music class, and he decided to be my friend that day. I don't know about you, but there's sometimes when we get bullied in life that we need that big brother to come along. Come on now and stand up behind us. And this is what Jesus does for us every single time, whether we're in shame, whether we've done things that we know we're not, whether we haven't measured up, come on to those things. He's always standing behind us. Listen, this is why David wrote these incredible words. He said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. When my life is bad, his goodness is standing behind me to rescue me out of it. Come on now. Amen. When my life needs mercy, his mercy is standing behind me to bail me out. He rescues us from the bully. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and 8, that the devil is like a roaring lion. He's seeking whom he can devour and take out. And he does it with accusations. He's constantly lying to us. He's constantly bullying us with his lies. But aren't you glad that we have someone that cares enough about our future and about our purpose and destiny? Amen. That he closes the mouth of the lion. And finally, we read about it in Revelations 12. It says they overcame the accuser by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Are you listening? Hannah said, I'm not drunk like you think I am. But God is going to give me an answer. Is anybody listening? She opened up her mouth and started testifying of what her God could do. Man, I don't know about you, but I want to start testifying more about the power of Jesus and letting everybody know that he's my big brother that's behind me, that's got me backed. Hannah went to this place in her heart and in her mind in her deepest level of anguish, and she began to say, wait a minute. I believe God loves me. I believe that God cares for me, and I'm going to believe the things that he's said over me and spoken over me. I'm going to take and adapt his identity. Can you say amen? In a world where everybody's confused about their identity, I want you to know that as a believer, I identify as redeemed. I identify as a worshiper. I identify as thankful. I identify as rescued. Come on now. I identify. If we ought to be woke to anything, we ought to be woke to worship in the church. And we ought to say, listen, I think it's time that we begin to testify of the goodness of God and close the mouth of the accuser. She was doing what Abraham taught us to do. Romans chapter 4 and verse 17, the Bible says that Abraham served God, the God who calls those things that are not as though they were. How amazing is it? God looks at Hannah. She calls herself barren. Panini makes fun of her and calls her barren. But God looks at her 
and says, you're going to be the mother of Samuel. Obviously, the big kind of pivot point and the big takeaway from this story, we know that something is going to happen about Samuel because we got two books in the Old Testament written about him. Come on now. God looked at her and said, I'm going to cause you to be an example to everyone that's bullied, everyone that's in anguish, anyone that's in turmoil. God makes a way of escape. He makes a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. And she worshiped her way out of her worry. Come on, let's stand together in the presence of Jesus. Samuel was the answer for his generation. Part of God's solution for a generation separated from God's presence. He would eventually anoint David as king. And that king would bring the presence of God into the city. And literally occupy the most territory that Israel had ever, talked, ever occupied under the Old Testament record that we have. In spite of her anguish, she showed up at God's house. And she discovered that God would show up at her house. David eventually wrote these words. Knowing Samuel. Samuel came along to David and David was a, a, the eighth son of Jesse. And he was forgotten, neglected by his own dad. But God cared enough to send a father figure along named Samuel. He was an answer not just to his generation, but to the generations that were coming up after him. He began to father the next king. And David, looking to his mentor, to his spiritual advocate heard the stories that Samuel used to tell about his mother. Like I've been telling everybody that I know for the last however many years about my praying mom. And David wrote in Psalms 30, verse 11. I believe he would, if he would have been able to hashtag a verse, he would have hashtagged Samuel's mom. He has turned my mourning into dancing. Is anybody in the room? I got to say it. This God that we serve knows how to take our tears and transform them into joy. The Bible says that weeping only endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I dare you to turn around and look at your neighbor and give him a high five and tell him, say, it's time for your morning to end and it's time for your new morning to begin. The morning and the season of joy. Are you listening to me? It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what your mockers say. It doesn't matter what the gainsayers say. It matters what God says. And if you say that long enough, he's going to make it a reality and everybody's going to have to recognize and they're all going to agree, surely your God is the great God. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much for your presence in this room that we feel. We thank you, Lord God, for your words that are eternal. 
Even when the worlds are on fire and heaven and earth has passed away, your words will never pass away. We thank you, Lord God, that we can find answers to our problems and our questions in your words. The only book that when we look at it, it's looking at us. And it has looked again at me today. And I thank you, Lord, that you are my redeemer. I thank you, Lord, you're the one that's come to rescue me. I thank you, Lord God, you're the one that is keeping me. You're opening up your hand and you're satisfying me with good things. Thank you, God, that goodness and mercy are following us today. Help us as we go our way, Lord God, to understand the power that we have in our worship. When tough times, when anguish comes, when turmoil comes, when weary comes, when shame comes, when guilt comes, teach us, Lord, to go to your house. And, Lord, we understand that you come to our house. Lord, even in fact, this morning as we're praying, Lord, I, I pray for all the family members that are not in this room. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I pray for all the children and the grandchildren that aren't, Lord God, in this room today, Lord God. We believe you, Lord, that there's going to be a harvest of familiar faces. Lord, that we're going to see the greatest in gathering. Lord, even today as we're going to see 29 people baptized in a watery grave today, we thank you, Lord God, that you've got a harvest of familiar faces coming in. And we give you the glory for it and the praise. I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a few more minutes. Maybe there's somebody in this room today and you identify with that anguish. Maybe you're in that grief right now. Maybe you're in that level of turmoil in this moment and you don't know which way to turn. Let me just tell you that Jesus has already made a way for you. And Jesus is calling those things in your life that seemingly are not as though they are. He's going to speak to the shame and he's going to give you his grace. And grace is going to open its mouth over you. If you're in this room and you have run away from the Lord or maybe you've never met Jesus and made him your Lord and Savior and opened up your heart's door, today's the day to do that. If you're in this room, quickly, I'm going to ask you to just slip up your hand. Nobody's going to be looking around. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to just lift your hand, and we want to pray together with you. Come on, if that's you. One, two, three. Lift those hands all over this room. Come on, Calvary. Let's pray together with those that have lifted their hands, either here or online. And let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, I love you, Lord. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. And I thank you for your grace. Forgive me of all of my sins. And wash me, Lord, in your precious blood. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And create in me a new heart. And I'll give you all the glory. And I'll give you all the praise. And I'll tell everybody that I know about you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, Calvary, put your hands together. Thank you guys so much. Don't forget to stop and get some merch before you leave. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Have a great week, guys.